So the pleasure of talking with Anastasia and Max, who make up The Haunt, whose latest single, Twisted Dream, is out now. Um, so, you know, we have something in common, whether you know this or not. Uh, we started off under a different podcast name and then eventually ended up changing it to what it is now. Um, obviously, for those that don't know, you guys weren't always The Haunt. You were, at one point, Anastasia Max. Um, what, you know, I know the the... the painstaking conversations that my co-host and I and, and somebody else at the time went through and coming up with a name that kind of really fit what we were trying to do, uh, shopping around to make sure no one else had those names and, you know, securing socials and so forth. It's quite an undertaking. Um, so what kind of went into the name change and were there kind of any trepidations about maybe, you know, giving up the work that you had already done under the previous moniker? You know, uh, we were under Anastasia Max for a while, um, but we never really like felt completely heart set on it. We liked it, um, and we didn't feel like there was anything really wrong with it. We just were like, it doesn't really feel like a band name, and every person we said it to, we were like, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> and so we were like, we should try to consolidate the name a little bit. And then um, when we thought of The Haunt, and before we even picked Anastasia Max, there was like a year of just trying to figure out a band name. We had all these different, like trying to figure out like clever sibling band names and this and that. And you know, like you do go through this whole process and eventually it's just like, like that's the one. But when we got Anastasia Max, it was kind of like, it started as a placeholder. <laughs> we really, really liked it. The more we like used it or like, it's kind of like super unique and weird. And then uh, eventually when we got to uh, picking our title for our EP, which we did put out under our old name, we put it out under Anastasia Max. And if you order like a vinyl or a CD, it says Anastasia Max on it. Um, we picked that name, the Haunt EP, knowing that we would transfer our name to it. So we kind of wanted to like stake our claim into it. And then once we, I mean, we were just kind of waiting for the right time to announce that we were going to change the name and everything like that. We were like, are we going to lose people? Like what's going to happen? And then once we got the, um, once we got the go ahead that we were going on tour with uh, Palais Royale, we were like, if we're going to change it, we, we got to change it now. So, and so we just like went full steam ahead and changed all the, all the social media and everything. And we had to go through all the routes to change the Spotify name and, email and this and that youtube <laughs> it was a huge pain in the ass but we we got it done what uh you know it's kind of funny because like you know our the podcast i started was basically johnson's title podcast because i could not think of a name so very much the same it was a placeholder name but there becomes a thing for me and it's and i don't know if it'll be the same for you guys um but you know when I added my co-host, I was like, I just feel like an asshole for having my name and literally my face on everything. <laughs> and to a degree as well, I felt like, you know, I was jealous of other podcasts that could, you know, kind of casually talk about themselves to other people like, oh, I, you know, like sharing it in Facebook groups or whatever. And it's not so blatantly obvious. It's you. Yeah, um, did you run into sort of the same thing? Like where literally both your names are the name of the band where people are like, Oh, it's you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's us. Um, but yeah, yeah you just I mean, out. honestly, no, not too much in the beginning. Like there was not that much of like self um, promoting and stuff like that going on that early. 
uh, before we had changed the name. So we were playing a lot of local shows and we had gone on like some minor tours, like around the East coast and Florida and New York and stuff like that. But we didn't have any, like, uh, we had, we didn't run into any issues too blatantly where it was like, you know, the funny thing is, is that we didn't run into any issues that are any more than what we run into now, because now we go by Anastasia haunt and max haunt. So it's like kind of the same thing. It's still our names at the end of the day, you know? Hmm. It is kind of interesting when you, you know, like I'm sort of jealous of my co-host with his other podcast, you know, they call Discuss Metal. uh, So they call themselves like Discuss Metal Dan and Discuss Metal Joe on most of their socials. And you're like, yeah, that'd be kind of cool, you know, to have sort of like a a persona of sorts where you can kind of somewhat hide behind it. And so like if you make a comment about something, it's like, well, I mean, yes, that is me, but it's also this persona maybe that I'm kind of feeding into or playing into. And I think that's something as you sort of start thinking about your band in a career sense and start building a brand, you kind of have to start taking more seriously and thinking about those things and maybe separating a little bit of who you are to kind of, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting thought. Like, you know, you, you always hear like, if you're ever into wrestling at all, they always say the best wrestling characters are yourself just turned up to 11. And I always feel like, you know, you, you listen to a lot of interviews with, you know, rock stars and stuff like that. And, you know, Tommy Lee is Tommy Lee, but he's also, when he's playing, he's Tommy Lee, like cranked up to 11. Like, I don't think he's always that fucking guy. So it's a thing where you kind of have to start, thinking of things like that and kind of theatrics and branding and so forth. And it always just gets kind of interesting how some people really embrace those kind of things about being in a band and others just kind of, kind of drown uh, for lack of a better term when it comes to that. And that's kind of, I think what separates those that, you know, can have a successful career versus those that just kind of will always flounder. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of music is like entertainment. And so whether you, like like it or not, which I mean, we love because me and my sister, her more than I, we've been like acting and in, in school plays and shit like that since we were. Are we allowed to say shit on here? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's a podcast. <laughs> um, we have been like in school plays and shit since we were like young. So the like the theatrical side of it, the drama, the entertainment side of it, is definitely just as fun for us. So we don't like shy from any of that. It's always fun to be as dramatic and music videos and performing and stuff like that as, as we can, you know, I guess we're, do you feel that, that, you know, performing uh, at such a young age and, and a different medium actually has given you a leg up in the musical sense? Oh, uh, we were singing and performing music before we were in school place. Um, mm, okay. Yeah. We both did like theater in high school, but, but uh, <laughs> she played uh, her, 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 you want you want no, no yeah. her big her big role was uh was Wednesday Adams in in the school's Adams family play. <laughs> it was really fitting. Um, we we've we've called her that since she was like three years old. Max's was Farquad from Shrek. Cool, we're gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's accurate. Though. It's true. For both of you, those are fair, like a, an ap- accurate representation of your. Oh, I really hope that my personality doesn't. He feel was like far from for that whole year that he was in that play. So yeah, <laughs> I think I was pretty locked in. <laughs> yeah, thanks. She's <laughs> really kind of speaking a little bit more to the you know the music of your your sound or it's kind of hard really to kind of identify it. It actually. 
uh, in listening to what you have out currently, it reminded me of a band that I was working with here uh, locally uh, called Bowery. And, you know, it's it was a friend of mine and he would write all this music, but he would grab a female vocalist that he was friends with. And uh, the initial vocalist they had, like, didn't really perform a whole lot, was kind of shy. And that kind of almost really worked with a lot of uh, the music that he was making. But it just it didn't really touch on any one genre. It kind of blended so many between, you know, indie rock or shoegaze or, you know, straight pop or, you know, things like that and incorporating a lot of different eras of you know, music and styles and so forth. And I was really reminded of, of them uh, when listening to you guys and something, you know, and looking at the producers that you've worked with, some of the bands that you've shared stages with and so forth, it's, I just couldn't help but feel like it's so hard to, you know, pigeonhole where I think like you remind me of this, you remind me of this. And if I were a booking agent and I were to get you, I'd be like, I don't even know who the fuck to put you with because I just, I, I don't know where to go. I mean, you played with Saigon kick and I'm like, somehow that sort of works, but also not at all. And <laughs> so it's one of those, like I remembered having the same problem with Bowery. Like, you know, I would have them play with, you know, a folk band, but then I'd also have them play with like a blues band. And somehow it kind of all worked. Cause there were little pieces of all of those things sprinkled throughout but I just know that it's it's hard to get people to listen to your music first and foremost. Secondly, when you have to go through the algorithmic algorithmic world we live in of like Spotify, like, oh, you're on the, the rock charts or you're on this playlist or, you know, when you have to tag what you are, it I feel like it would just be so hard for you guys to just especially after the name change and everything to basically have people find you. So I, I kind of was trying to think of you know, the question for you guys, how have you found it to be to traverse, you know, getting people to find you when you don't necessarily fit in any one box that people like to put, you know, bands and artists in? So it's a good, it's a good question. And honestly, it's consistently changing. I think what the answer is, because it's more like we, you know, picking one genre, let's say we picked like progressive rock or something like that. Right. Which we love. Um, if we picked just that genre and we just went in to write, we'd always feel like, oh, like we have to pick up this electric guitar, set it to this metal setting and write a progressive rock song, right? right. And so it's super limiting to try to like write and create in that way. And we figured that out really early on because we, we started out doing very like weird multi-genre stuff where we were a three-piece band. It was just the two of us and a drummer. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were really trying to like, you know, whatever you have, you always try to make the absolute most out of it, right? And so we were really trying to like cover a whole array of genres. We were doing covers of The Kills at the same time that we were doing covers of Vance Joy's Riptide. And, and so we were trying to like make a really interesting show that was different than everything else that was going on around us. And, um, you know, I think we, we continued that once we got bigger opportunities and we were able to record an album and stuff like that. We always wanted each song to feel different but we want each piece of music the the album to really like fit together nicely enough does that make sense it does so you know something i've actually not really talked about on the show but i've talked about with some people um one of my friends bands you may not have you may have heard of them i don't know they played you know were signed and played uh, around quite a bit but uh the band wilson so they started off kind of as a more of like a blue collar kind of metal core-y kind of band. Um, think more like Every Time I Die kind of stuff. And then 
you know, they put out the next record and the next record was a little more polished, kind of had more of a, you know, that octane kind of sound, uh, yeah. you know, like the classic, not classic rock, but basically more of like a radio rock kind of sound. Then they put out what was their last record and they kind of ditched the sound entirely and kind of went more, uh, you know, like there's a song where I could totally hear it like on the end of a summer movie, like an American pie, like it's the end credit song or like, you know, maybe a middle of the movie sequence, like a montage. Yeah. And so, I mean, they kind of just went all over, but like over the course of their three records, they never really consistently had a sound. And, you know, I feel like that was something that kind of hindered them, especially once they decided to go completely away from kind of that rock sound as a whole. But they're still touring with a band like Seven Dust or whatever. And I'm like, but if you really wanted to separate and kind of get away from that, then you really needed to have taken tours with like a Don Broco or something like that, where it's a little bit more adventurous in the sound and, and you right. know what the bands are playing. And you, I feel like you just see too many examples of that where it's nice to have what I'll call like a playlist album where it, the album sounds completely different from it itself. Maybe the mix is kind of what keeps everything together or, you know, there's little things that if you're actually paying attention, tie it all together, maybe a narrative or a theme throughout. But sometimes I wonder if it's more of a hindrance for a band to kind of have such a wide array of sounds to where they're not able to for fans to kind of latch onto it or even for, like I said, a touring sense, cause that's where any band now stands to make, you know, their money and their mark really. Oh, gonna, that's what I was going to touch on is um, that touring sense is um, kind of the, that little thing that sticks out, right? Because you're like, okay, like I could put out an album and it could get a million listens on a song or something like that. And that's really cool. But what am I making on that? Probably 50 bucks. <laughs> and so it's like, uh, you don't really focus that much on that anymore as music continues to change and grow unless you have a song that's like, unless you have like a real hit, right? Right. You hit and you're, let's say, I don't know, Lovely the Band, and you hit and you create Broken and it blows up. It's the New Year's Eve song. It's everyone loves it. Fucking great song. And so you go and you, when people go to see you, then that's what they want to see. They want you to do exactly that. But if your songs are not a hit, you almost have this really cool freedom where I could, we could get a show. The band could get a show with Palo Royale and we could crank up the distortion on our set and play this really heavy version of our set that fits with them better. We're playing the same songs in just a more, a way that's rehearsed more to fit that audience mm-hmm. and that sound. Or we could create let's say we got a a show with, we actually opened for lovely. That's why I brought up that example. We opened for them. Um, when we came back from opening for palais, which is funny, really contrast. Um, and we were able to clean up our set and, uh, play a few more like electronic elements through drum pads and stuff like that to really bring in this very like clean sound that would appeal more to that audience. And when you don't have a hit that people are expecting to hear one specific way until you reach that level, it's kind of freeing. And once you reach that level, you're kind of in a good place anyway. So for this like grinding side of music, when you're at the lower level, we really enjoy the versatility of being able to go and play garage rock shows at the same time. The next week we can go open for loving the band and stuff like that, like that kind of thing, you know? So it's sort of interesting. The other day I was watching uh, the Justin Timberlake and the Tennessee kids uh, show that's on Netflix. They're the concert. And what was kind of interesting about watching that is, 
and you know, and some of the greater, more pop centric artists, you know, like someone I'm thinking like Pink, Michael Jackson, Justin Timberlake's kind of in there. Yeah. Um, you'll see a lot of these artists kind of start reinterpreting songs because I'm sure just like anything we all do, eventually it gets really boring playing the same fucking song the same way over and over and over and over and over and over again. So you try to find fun ways, especially if you have a band and, and you're you know competent to find new ways to string together songs. Maybe this song will kind of play around with this melody, but this melody kind of sh- shares the same as another one. And we can kind of segue into it and kind of, you know, slow it down half tempo, you know, million things you can do to a song to kind of give it a different vibe. And I know some people, you know, especially you see it with like covers where people get really mad that, you know, oh, the cover changed. Like uh, one that stands right off the top of my head, like 311 with Love Song, the Cure song. They made it more reggae style, did it kind of more half tempo. And some people really like it. A lot of people don't because it changed the vibe entirely of what that song sounded like. So have you seen in you guys kind of changing up your set? and sound a little bit for who you're playing with and the, the demographic of people you're playing to where potentially they'll, they'll buy, you know, the CD or whatever. And then maybe see you next time and go, man, I really like that song. And then I got the record and it don't sound nothing like that. Like, what? <laughs> like, are you guys going to record that version of the song as well? Or like, have you, um, a happy medium when we're going to record. And actually when we just recently recorded, like, um, Funny enough, actually, Twisted Dreams is a song that we were planning on starting to play live this year as it came out. We've never played that song uh, live, I don't think, right? No. And so maybe for like little acoustic sets on live and stuff like that, but nothing like in an actual um, venue setting. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's a really good example of something that like we wanted to play this year. um, And that's a little like when we're playing opening around Florida and stuff like that for some like touring acts and stuff like that, depending on who we open for or played for that's a song that we could throw into the set because we're like oh we're gonna open for a band that has more ballads so we want it to feel this way we really like to pride ourselves on the fact that we know how to play all of our songs at any point um we could play it differently depending on the audience we practice like rigorously and so we are always kind of ready for whatever opportunity we are thrown if that makes sense yeah, it does. It does make me wonder, especially, I guess this is maybe more of an Anastasia question. Um, are you are you all constantly kind of thinking of different ways to interpret your songs even after they're quote unquote done? Like, what? Like, so, go ahead. Yeah, I think he's asking, like, are we constantly, like, even after a song is like quote unquote done, like when we've recorded it and put it out, like, we still are always looking for ways to like change it and oh yeah and just play it different ways live and see everything that we can do with it we do mm-hmm. that a lot. like we love practicing like our acoustic set just to see like the different dynamics we can do and focus on like our harmonies and voices together is that how you know there are some bands that you listen to and you wouldn't think an acoustic is the way that the song would be have been started from the arrangement position so like a band you know there's like this christian hardcore band blindside and you know i really love their guitar riffs but i ended up finding out that their guitar player is like yeah i play on an acoustic because if it doesn't sound good there then it's not going to sound good you know distorted and all that kind of stuff so i'd like to have it start from a more pure organic place and then kind of build from there and make sure the song works uh at its most fundamental do you, is that how you start with a lot of your songs or what is the process to build your music? 
Well, with mine, I start completely stripped down. I'll just write a melody on piano in my voice, and then I'll bring it to him, and then he'll add, like, some rock. I usually start with just, like, a bluesy song, just originally, just, like, my voice and the piano. And then I'll take it to him, and he'll, like, rock it up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the same vice versa here. I I usually – I used to only write – on acoustic guitar and then try to figure it out. But the more I've been um, producing music, I've been writing that way. Um, so I start from a little bit less of an organic place, I guess now, just because of the tools I have at my disposal, it's easier for me to like see a song um, when I'm recording it into like a pro tool session or something like that. But for a long time, like our first EP and all the music that we're releasing now, all of that stuff was recorded into just we just started with acoustic guitars and we were playing it together and then we would bring it to practice and spill like she would have a ballad and we would like speed it up and turn it into like a rock song and we would have a rock song and she would bring it down and have like the add the vocal melodies that make it catchy and stand out um a really good balance between the two like different songwriting styles I would assume there's probably just a plethora of like demos of some of these songs and different iterations before they became like, you know, like a twisted dream before it became how we hear it. Oh yeah. I mean, probably 20. We <laughs> <laughs> make this of twisted dream in, in my computer. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> As I say, one of my favorite bands is the band him and they're notorious for dropping, you know, B sides or, different iterations of their songs and you know some songs will be super fast and aggressive and then the next thing you know like the remixed version or whatever is like way slowed down it's almost like a stoner metal band at times and you're just like what the fuck where did like how did it ever get to this point or more to the point how did it go from this to what it became because it's completely different as far as your tempos and you know all of those kind and even like your melodies and so forth are just so different so i always find it interesting you know, with some bands that have people who work on the songs, whether it be like, oh, well, it started off with this original vocal melody, but then we changed this or the chorus was actually the chorus you hear now was actually the first verse. And the first we had was actually a chorus idea. And we just picked and pulled apart all these ideas. And then it became this whole other thing other than where it started. And to me, I always think that's the fun thing about songwriting is just kind of seeing the different stages it goes in and even to a production level, like sometimes you'll hear a song and it's the first, you know, it's just recorded and it sounds one way. And then you get your first level of mixing and mastering done and sounds a different way. And then when you get your final, you're like, Holy shit, this, this doesn't even sound the same as where it started when it was still done, but just kind of had like little things done to it to, to make it really shine. That's what she really loves to do to me is she likes to write like this really I mean, her, the, when she sits down at the piano, she could write like the most incredible melodies and she'll write incredible lyrics. But my job is always to create like the little puzzle piece of just taking all these awesome parts and like making like the most, um, trying to figure out how like the song structure would fit best. So like what part is the catchiest, which part are we going to make the chorus and this and that she always, she can write them incredibly well. And it, it's always like, well, not always, because Twisted, actually, she wrote pretty much from front to back. But on a lot of her songs, it's like she writes this incredible like piece, and then it's kind of like up to me and sometimes like the producer and stuff like that to take those pieces and like turn them more into like the regular structure of a song, quote unquote, you know? 
you know, something that's kind of interesting, you know, the dynamic of, of your band is obviously you guys are related, um, you know, being brother and sister. And, you know, I, I think a lot about working relationships, you know, like me and my wife, when we have to do stuff together, it's like, I know there's certain things she's good at and there's certain things I'm good at. And, you know, sometimes you try to find the balance to be able to do something and, and be as efficient together as you possibly can. I think you're the first set literally of, of siblings I've gotten to talk to. I talked to Jake from Greta Von Fleet like forever ago. And, you know, I don't really know how that band works, but <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a thing where it does make me wonder has, was there ever a worry of being in a working relationship uh, and how maybe, especially when you're doing something as being vulnerable and, and sharing something that, you know, you created and, and have, you know, feelings attached to, uh, that maybe it would hurt your personal relationship. I don't think so. I, I don't think that was ever a worry because when we first started the band, <laughs> <laughs> um, when we first started the band, and Anna, you can weigh on this, we, we didn't really get, like, we were young. I was like uh, 12 and she was like nine or like I was like 13 and she was like 10. We were really, really young. Um, and she... We we just didn't get along very well. Was I ever friends with thirteen? Yeah. No. <laughs> yes, you were. I don't think so. I'm pretty fun. We're three and a half years apart, so that would be how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so yeah, we like. You know, we didn't get along very well before the band started, and that's actually like what really made our relationship so close was like all music, all the music writing and stuff like that. Like we were regular siblings who like just picked on each other and stuff. Like we were close when we were like kid kids, like, you know, super. Mm-hmm. Young. but then through like my early teenage years and like preteen years, I was probably super angsty and <laughs> she was just a kid. Um, and she was, you know, um, you know, the younger sibling vibe. <laughs> and so it was, you know, we didn't get along incredibly well for those, that little time period, four or five years. And then once we started doing music, it was like, what really brought us together. And now pretty much is that mom? Yeah. Our mom's cooking and she's mixing something in the kitchen. Um, yeah, we, you know, we don't, uh, now we're pretty much as close as could be. We're like best friends. And I don't think that would have been the case if music wasn't involved, you know? So I think if anything, it's helped our relationship. And I guess that's lucky because a lot of people who work together with their siblings, um, fight pretty Brutally, which I guess we do too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely some like pretty intense like arguments and stuff like that, but nothing where we ever feel like, oh, like this can't be resolved in like a couple minutes, you know? Sometimes I feel that way. Yeah, we sometimes we feel that way, but it's never true. <laughs> well, I think that's that's kind of the interesting thing. Like, you know, very recently my wife and I now work excuse me, uh for the same company. Um and so something that I've realized has kind of been an interesting dynamic to our relationship now is, you know, usually you come to each other and kind of bitch about whatever your, your daily issues are like, you know, Oh, I had to do this with this person and they were a fucking bitch. And you're like, Oh yep, same. I had to like, you know, let me tell you about my day. And now that we work for the same company, I realized when I would come home and, and kind of complain about some of the stuff that I was going through, you know, she knows the people that are sort of responsible for some of my complaints. And, you know, she's asking me questions about, well, why is this going on? I don't know. 
And <laughs> so now what has happened is it's made it's made it a lot harder for us to be able to kind of complain about something because now it's like, well, we live together now we work for the same company. So like we can't get away from it. And so I wonder at times if being in a band with like a, a sibling like that uh, kind of runs the same thing where it's like, well, now I can't bitch to you about this thing because it's the project we're both involved in and we also are related. So like we can't get I can't like literally get away from you because I have to kind of be around you. So it just kind of, you know, I, as I was thinking about that and, and what I've been going through in the last couple of months, it's just something that I wonder if bands who have siblings in it go through the same thing basically where it's like oh shit like this kind of sucks like if i'm frustrated with you because something you said during while we're working on a song or whatever i can't it sort of gets harder to kind of compartmentalize parts of your life like that because now they're you're you're so fully invested in each other's lives on a multitude of facets so it just kind of is something i've wondered if has uh caused any friction or is something actually maybe that you've not really experienced yeah i know we totally I totally get uh, where you're coming from on that. And I think that it's a real thing. I think it's a real issue for us too. But I think when you're working with, because the main people that we're intertwined with, with the band is like, it's us. Um, and our parents actually work very closely with the band too. Hmm. Um, and then that's interesting. Yeah. And then um, our drummer is like both of our best friends. And that has been, um, she, before she was in the band, who's our bassist, she managed the band. So she's been part of the project since the beginning too. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have management and those are like the only people on a day to day that we really like work with closely. Um, and when we're doing that, it's kind of like if, since it's all so tight knit and intertwined, it's instead of being like, Oh, like I can't really complain about this. It's more like, okay, well, everybody knows everything right now. So we just need to like work it out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you have that like initial feeling of like, Oh, I can't like vent about this or talk about this. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well maybe this will just make me like, I don't know, solve it head on and like just handle it more quickly and concisely than I would have if like this was some other like larger scale company and something like that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely an, an interesting thought. And like I said, just something I've been kind of going through and kind of thinking about working di working relationships and, and dynamics within those. And like I said, it's just kind of one of those. It's it's not a normal working situation, uh, whether it be creative or, you know, just a financial working job, yeah. but is uh, definitely something that I feel like would potentially add more stress <laughs> to a personal more relationship. <laughs> definitely adds more dynamics than like, I would say a regular job where we went separately and just lived in the same house. Obviously we're both right. incredibly emotion. It's music too. So you can't forget that it's an art and like, we are really, really emotionally invested. And so like everything that happens, we can, it, there's like, you know, upsides and downsides. Whenever anything sucks, we're all depressed. And then whenever anything <laughs> is like all, we're all like equally happy. So it's, I think that's the biggest thing is like if everyone's head is in the same place, it, it could be a really, really good thing, you know? Yeah. I just know I've been in rooms where, you know, you're fighting over a part <laughs> and, you know, I lived with a guy I was in a band with and it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you guys are both arguing for your part and then you're just like, ah, fuck it. And then like you leave, but you're like, shit, we both live here too. So like, I, <laughs> I can't get away from you either. So like, it's like a lot of times it just be like, 
all right, well, you're being an asshole and this isn't going to get solved. So let's just stop and either go upstairs and just drink or go to a bar and hang out or whatever, do something and just get away from this environment that's causing the problem. Um, But like I said, I I know that that's not how a lot of people are able to literally think in the moment, realize that nothing is going to be solved currently due to a multitude of things. And then just instead of it blowing over, just walk away. You'd be surprised how many times we just like will randomly call a vote when we have those. <laughs> it's just like okay, well, well, if you don't like the part, like Nick likes the part, so he, so that's one vote for me, and then we'll just kind <laughs> of like little little votes, and then like because there's you know, uh, there's four of us in the band, so obviously like most of the time the votes don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say usually that doesn't work either. <laughs> well, it's, it's four people in the band, two boys and two girls, so it's always gonna be like a tie vote. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then there's obviously the uh, like, well, I mean, I'm going to side with my, my sibling, you know, blood yeah. and all that kind no, of stuff. They're arguing. <laughs> um, you know, something we've talked to, we haven't talked about it a lot recently, but something we have talked about on the show quite a bit is basically this the singles EPs versus putting out full lengths. And it seems like you guys have gone down more of the route of putting out what has led you to choose this as the release type uh over a more traditional full album release schedule um well it's fun first of all because you get to when you release an album right you you spend months or a year on an album and you eventually like obviously the plan is to release it but when you're releasing eps you have like both of our EPs have been six songs. Like we have six songs on social intercourse, which is coming up and we had six songs on the haunt EP. And we were like, we, we chose the strategy when we were doing um, the haunt EP because I mean, back then it was cause we were so like microscopic that we were like, we need to be on in people's faces as much as possible. It was a marketing thing more than anything else. And then on the new EP, we were like, well, are we really going to put out two songs and then drop this album that we spent so much time working on and writing and stuff like that? And we were like, each song, even though, again, and this goes back to the multi-genre thing where it gives you like a lot of opportunities to reinvent and redesign yourself and do all these different creative things visually and with audio and with pictures and video. Um, you have like each song gives you this new opportunity to like really push this one concept that you were trying to talk about in this one song. Cause each song is its own individual thing. Um, whether it's a song that I wrote, like brag about or a song she wrote like twisted dreams, like each one is its own concept and they're not really about the same things. And so when you're planning to release a full album, you would be really combining all these meshes, meshing of ideas into one drop. And it doesn't really feel right. It feels like you're not giving the songs justice when you spent a lot of time on each song. And when you make a six song EP, there's no songs that you throw on it that you're like, yeah, these are like the fillers, you know, <laughs> there's no filler songs on a six song EP. So we're like equally proud of every song that's on that, on the, both of the albums. And so you don't want them to, fall to the wayside so you put as much effort and time and pictures and video into each individual one if you can i think the thing that's kind of interesting about it is you know you look at a band uh i'll say more not in the rap rock kind of realm um 
you know, because I could point to like Drake. Drake basically puts out a song that seems like every other week. And then a year and a half later, it's like, here's my double album. And you've heard 75% of it already and are sick of it. Um, so there's there's that, you know, route of going. But then, you know, I, I kind of look more at like what Bring Me, uh, the Horizon has been doing, where it's like, you know, they kind of were like, you know, we're not going to stop releasing we're going to probably stop putting out albums in the traditional sense. We're probably just going to put out singles and EPs from here on out. And I think the thing I liked about it and the thing I've always kind of liked about artists who go that route versus more of just putting out um, full lengths and kind of doing that is it, it's a little more forgiving. It allows you to put out something and maybe you find that, you know, your fans aren't really digging that one song. And so instead of being like, ah, shit, we put all our eggs in the basket. This is the first single off the new album, and now people aren't digging it. And you kind of look at it as a, as a fail, a failed project, a failed outlet, whatever. Whereas at least if you're like, well, that's just one. We have five other ones we have coming up. And it allows, I think, the fans to be a little more under, not understanding, maybe, maybe forgiving um, or more open, I should say, to the music that they're about to hear. Because maybe if they know that, like, I'm not really feeling this song, but man, I really like this one and this one. And so it allows them to maybe come back to that first song, that first single and go, huh, you know, now in context of the other two songs I have, it, I think these work and I kind of get this uh, now you know now I appreciate this, but it doesn't put so much doesn't put so much focus and, and importance on a song as it would have if it was like the only single you're pushing basically for a whole record. The 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 uh the success basically doesn't rely on all of like hedging all your bets on that one thing, and I think it allows you to actually as an artist kind of play around a lot more and kind of find yourself and, and be, and I think it's a little more forgiving as fans to kind of see like, Oh, okay. Like it's not so drastic. Like if you were to put out one, one set of music every two, three years and you were to do like starting incorporating electronics and you're like, Whoa, 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 where, where did this come from? Yeah. And it's like, Oh, well that electronic element, actually those were songs we started writing toward the end of the other album, but we were already done with those songs that were a year old at that point, by the time you're getting them. So I think it allows in a real true sense, I think it allows putting out singles and EPs allows fans and artists to kind of grow together in a more intimate and more spot, uh, not spontaneous, a more uh, instant um, kind of sense because you're, you, like I said, it's more of a snapshot and reflection of who you are right then. Yeah. And it's very much like, uh, because it's funny because we record all the songs at once. So I think a lot of bands do that, especially if they're planning to put them on the album. But everyone's like, I think Drake probably does that for the most part too. We're using him as an example. He probably goes in the studio and he's like, I have 10 songs. I think he lives in his studio. Honestly, I think he's got a studio in his car. Probably <laughs> vocals in the car on a way to, on the way to a show. Cause he has so many songs on every album. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, I think I think what we do, with like when we make when we make an album, the the freedom for us to do each song individually, and we actually took a lot of uh, hints from that from the most Drake. from Drake himself. He told us <laughs> um, from hip hop artists, though we saw them doing that, especially like um, 
especially like mid tier like rappers that are like not obviously Drake level, but like bigger than like some like lower tier SoundCloud stuff. Mm-hmm. You're like a really good style to go. It feels very gorilla, and it feels like every release is e- every song is equally important. There's right. not there's two singles and then the four album songs. You have six singles that are on one album. And I think that that's a really cool way of like portraying your music and getting everyone to be reinvested every time that you release something, which is always the goal. You don't want to put something out and like, like Drake put out Scorpion and there's 25 songs that were just album tracks on it. And it's like, okay, well, I'm probably not going to listen to all of these. Well, I've already heard like 16 of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, and he does like singles over the course of like three years. Right. The other thing I'm kind of noticing a lot of bands sort of at your level and even honestly, the, the, like I said, more of the hip hop kind of realm is it seems like each release also coincides with a merch drop basically. So it creates more of a buzz around the video, the merch line, the song. It's a very like 360 all encompassing kind of uh, product for lack of a better term. But it's been kind of interesting. Like, I haven't really, I mean, you guys have done the videos, you've done the singles and so forth. And, you know, I'm kind of privy to some of the things you have in the works for, you know, coming up in the new year. But I have been kind of surprised to not see like the big merch drop around these things. It would seem like with some of the the lyricism and the imagery that you guys put into, you know, your music, that it would seem really rife to to come up with interesting merch designs and so forth. Yeah, and we actually have been working on it. Um, we have a lot of old merch designs, and um, the ones from the first EP still sell really well, and so we keep those in stock and stuff like that. And we had this game plan. It's funny because once the pandemic hit, we <laughs> were completely gorilla on our game plan. We were like, we're going to hold – like, okay, so there was March, right, and everything broke down. And we we're like two weeks. Okay, well, I mean, that sets us back two weeks, but like at least we'll be able to like put our album out after and we actually initially planned to release the album as a as an album, um, not as singles. We would do a few singles and then release an album. Um, at least leave like three or four songs on it to to be part of it. But then when everything changed, we were like, we need to go kind of a different style on this. And so we re-game planned and we, we changed how we were going to do everything. And in the process of that, we were switching merch companies. And so we've been designing merch and now we just... Um, are getting our store back in order and getting everything ready to go so that we can start giving our new designs to the company and having them make them. And there will be merch drops coming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess kind of it's slowly and wrapping up the, uh, you know, what, uh, how have you found it to kind of traverse this last, you know, most of the year, basically. I mean, every band we've kind of talked to is, you know, more or less said the same thing, whether it was, you know, we put out a record and then all the touring behind it basically just went through, you know, went to the shitter because now we can't tour behind it. So essentially put out this record that's more or less going to kind of be forgotten about by the time, you know, maybe we can get back to things or we're, you know, in a, some situations, bands are, are not putting out their records uh, until they can tour behind it because obviously, like we've said, that's sort of where the money-making opportunities are and to get in front of crowds and really kind of grow a record so you know you were just kind of saying just now that you know you push some things back thinking it was only going to be two weeks but obviously that's not what has happened how have you how has this whole thing affected what you guys were planning on doing and maybe how has it 
how has it helped you? So it's a really interesting question too, because it's like help is obviously uh, um, not the right term. <laughs> for any of it. There's been no way that it's, that it's helped us besides for like being able to sit in the house and write songs, which we probably would have done anyway. So <laughs> the, so here, so when I said before, like we were going to hold on to the record, right? We were holding on to the record and we were like, okay, two weeks. Okay. Four weeks. Okay. Six weeks, eight weeks. It's been three months. And we were like, okay, it's, it's enough. Like we were holding the, onto that record with our life because we love touring. Touring is like our favorite part of the whole, the whole thing. And so we were like, okay, we have fans in Europe. We want to go like do a little hub touring over there. And we want to set up some tours throughout the U S and Canada. And we were going to hit like, we were going to do like little uh, leg tours. Um, and obviously once that was the main reason we held the record for, for the whole beginning of 2020. And then we were like, okay, I mean, I, it's not going to work. So we were like, we're going to put out the record and we're going to continue to put out singles. And the reason that we chose the game plan of the singles was to keep everyone engaged and continuously be releasing new music and new music videos um, to get us through the pandemic and get us to the other side where we could go back and obviously go back on the road and tour. And it seems like the more we do put out music, the further away that's getting. But hopefully by the beginning of next year, we're going to be able to start those processes again. I know the vaccine is coming and everyone is itching to go on tour. So it, and that's going to be the, the next big issue is that every venue will be sold out once. <laughs> like you're not going to be able to catch a venue without a band booked for months. Yeah. Which is going to be great for the music scene because everyone in the, in the whole business has been hit so hard. We have friends tour managers and actually our tour manager was, was uh, with us because we had a show booked for South by Southwest. We actually opened for red jumpsuit apparatus as the pandemic was starting. Hmm. And it was like the oh, first days. And we were like, well, I mean, it's not really going to happen. Right. And then he stayed with us cause we were going to in like a week and a half after that show, um, we were going to go out to Texas and play South by Southwest. Hmm. Um, and Obviously, that did not happen. Um, they canceled South by Southwest while he was there, and then the airport shut and everything shut. And so our tour manager was with us. How long was Donnie with us for? Like a lot. You was, was there for like. He might have been there for like a two months almost, right? I think so. Yeah, and he just stayed with us because he lives in LA, and LA was the worst of it. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't awful here at any point. There was one point where we really, really picked up, but then it slowed down pretty quickly. We were net, we weren't the hub for very long. So yeah, I mean, everyone's been affected. So hopefully that when it opens up, will be really good for, for everyone in the industry. And it should be good for artists too, because there's going to be so many, everyone is going to go on tour at once. There's going to be so many opportunities and stuff like that. So we're really looking forward. Obviously I think everyone is for the world opening back up, but we were, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's obvious, but <laughs> yeah, we were mostly, you know, that's the biggest way it affected us. We held the record as long as we could because we wanted a tour and we were just like, you know what? We're going to put this record out. We don't want these songs to be so old by the time that we put them out that they're not even like, we don't even care about them, you know? 
because you lose interest in your own work the more you hear it and the more you play it. And so it's like you need to continuously be making new music and we wanted to put those songs out so that we could be continuously making new music, which we are doing. There will be obviously more music directly following the EP because we are uh, we, we decided that we weren't going to let the pandemic stop us in any way that it didn't like literally stop us. Right. <laughs> so we've been working pretty much nonstop through the entire thing. We've been writing and producing and creating tons of content that we will be following up. Even this EP, we're ready to continue after that. So yeah. where can everyone find you or the band or anything you would like to plug online? Um, all our socials. Well, no, that's not true. On Instagram, which we use, I use the most. It's We Are the Haunt. <laughs> it is all socials. Is all at socials we, are the haunt. we Are the Haunt. But I was thinking about like I was thinking deeper about it. I was thinking about Spotify and YouTube. So and then on We Spotify. Are the Haunt, and you can find us on socials at We Are the Haunt. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, thank you again for taking the time to chat, and uh, looking forward to some more new music coming coming out soon. Hopefully, definitely. Yes.